Welcome to episode 97 of the Gambots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I watched the Christmas movie, Jingle Jangle. We watched the short video film, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, Recipe for <laughs> Seduction. And we're going to end the podcast with some news. But first, Christian, you and I both watched Jingle Jangle. Now, this is a relatively new Christmas movie. I think it came out in November. Yeah, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I I can't remember. Maybe maybe even late December. I can't remember for sure. But it's directed by David E. Talbert, who I recognize some of his stuff, but I've never watched anything. The El Camino Christmas, Almost Christmas, Baggage Claim, and First Sunday, which looks to be – First Sunday looks like it's a sequel to Friday to some extent. Uh, but really, it has a pretty big cast of stars. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker, um, Keegan-Michael Key's in it, Madeline Mills, Hugh Bonneville, Anika Roney. Like, it's Ricky Martin's in it, sort of, his <laughs> voice and also his likeness. Uh, it's it's a big cast, and honestly, I, I so I went into this blind. I was I did not know what to expect from it, and I was pleasantly surprised. Like it was, it's a good kids movie. I agree. I I also went into it blind. The only thing I really knew about it was that it was being pretty well received on uh, Twitter, at least in the the circles that I'm a part of. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't really have any details about this. I'm uh, I'm pretty pleased with what. I, I saw all things considered. Yeah, I wasn't expecting a musical, um, and <laughs> so it it was that at point like not fully, but you know they had musical numbers and stuff. Those were interesting to see because normally, like you do see those in some Christmas movies, but they had like full on stage like dances and stuff like chore- choreographed multiple times. And I did really really like the set design for this, and I like that they focused for the most part on practical effects, except for like the inventions and stuff. I agree. This felt very much like a Disney movie in places, especially oh, with, the, sure. with the like interspersed musical numbers where it, it's hard to say that this is a straight up musical. Cause there's only what, like four or five songs in the whole show. Um, but it's definitely not, not a musical. <laughs> All this stuff with the, the little girl journey that felt really Disney to me. Like her yes. songs about like, it, it made her, it didn't, it felt like she was a Disney heroine. Um, and then the stuff with Forrest Whitaker to a certain extent did, but that just was actually more depressing, I think. Mm-hmm. This is actually the second Forrest Whitaker movie I watched this week. What else I did, did you not, watch? I did not know he was in this until I started it. Uh, I watched a movie from last year, I think, on Netflix called How It Ends with Theo James, and it was terrible. I was planning on talking a little bit about that this week, but uh, Recipe for Seduction is definitely more important. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's not bad. (laughs) This movie threw me off because before, like I said, I was going into a blind, so before I do, I take, I pull on who's in it and stuff. And so when this movie started with a story within a story, and then none of the characters who I recognized were in it, I legitimately had to stop (laughs) and be like, wait a minute, is there a time skip? Because... (laughs) <laughs> the ages were so drastic. Yeah. I let's so let's start in the past. <laughs> the main antagonist of this ends up being Keegan Michael Key, but 
for like when he's younger, I honestly don't. I'm not surprised he became a bad guy because everyone in this town, including <laughs> Jangle and the toy that came to life minutes ago, are just jerks to him <laughs> for no it's reason. True. Yeah, for no reason at all. It is true. Everyone is like the toy wakes up, does a bunch of like matador poses, and then tells the guy that he smells bad, even though like, can he smell? Does he have? That sense, right? And no one else has indicated that the the character's name is Gustafsson. Like, has indicated he smells. It's just Ricky Martin telling him he smells, like over and over <laughs> again. Like they couldn't think of another insult or, like this was the worst thing they could get away with. And it's just like, wow, this is a little much. I see in a lot of movies, especially like Disney and kids movies that people are very cavalier with the idea of creating life. Yeah, so Jangle is this great inventor in town, and he's pumped because he essentially figured out the formula for life. And you're right. They they do it, and they're like, this toy's alive now. And they take that life away very quickly at the end with no remorse. Oh, yeah. That, that shocked me. Like, so, yeah, so he gets this vial or something delivered to him and he puts it through a you know a, a steampunk machine everything about this is very victorian steampunk and and i i actually that's part of the why i love this set i actually love the setting on this yeah agreed but it it spits out this blue liquid that when he drops it on a like clockwork doll it comes to life and not just like oh it's a machine it, like it's it's not a robot it is alive it has consciousness and self-awareness and and insults ready to go (laughs) what is so i really thought this movie was going to focus more on this potion that brings toys to life so did i They they introduced it to create ricky martin's character and then it just disappears entirely Mm mm-hmm I don't they, know they, why they did that. They explain it with like a, a throwaway line where uh, it like after the time skip, Keegan Michael Key says like, "Oh, I there would have been more of you if you hadn't made me destroy the the plans to the formula or whatever." And I'm like, "But why?" And and his whole thing is he was, I mean, not even really a good guy. He was just kind of a non-entity at, at the beginning, the the doll that came to life, and then. Django says that we're going to mass produce them and every kid is going to have one. He's like, well, there can't be more than one me. So now I'm evil. Yeah. And he sings a whole song about how stealing is, is okay. That the, the worst part of this movie actually think was Ricky Martin's toy. They had him doing poses every three seconds, which was so distracting for sure. You can remove that character from this movie and it will not change. Yeah, you could you could literally make Keegan Michael Key have all of the same motivations without the living toy. Yeah, the the movie would be exactly the same. The only change you would have to make is that he invented something else cool at the beginning for Keegan Michael Key's character to steal. That is it. Ricky Martin's character's whole purpose is to sing that song to to convince him that stealing is fine, and I feel like that's an internal struggle that he could have had all on his own. <laughs> Well, I don't. I I actually don't think you're right, Christian. I I think 
they didn't because he stole the invention but he could have just stolen the book because he never made those toys anyways like you were right the first time he literally adds nothing to the movie i i, I don't understand the the concept of because yeah like we said it never comes back again he's the only toy that ever gets brought to life in in this manner and and then even later after the time skip his whole purpose is to just slap keegan michael key a couple of times I, um, so, well, one thing is, I actually don't think Jangle, when he was younger, and they try and, like, write, it seems, I guess you can't retcon it, because it's within the same movie, but he comes off as a jerk in a lot of parts of this movie, and it starts with uh, Gustafsson when he's like, hey, you promised me you'd help me, and he keeps ignoring him. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, but what really got me was, after he had everything stolen, all of a sudden, Jangle could not remember anything like he couldn't create anymore which i guess he had the yips i don't know how that works yeah i don't know he lost the spark and then his wife died yeah that got things in this movie got very dark for a little while and it it happened out of nowhere because it it talks about like oh he lost his his you know will to, to create and then he lost everything else and then he was so overcome with grief that he like sent his daughter away and i was like oh man yeah it's one of those things where i like the opening number and all that but honestly i don't know if you need the entire beginning half you could have just started with him being estranged from his granddaughter and pepper that in as to what happened Mm -hmm. but i don't know i it's just one of those things where I I like the opening number, the the dance number, and then everything else was kind of blah until we have his granddaughter her, uh, meeting him and him just being a complete jerk because he doesn't believe it's actually her. <laughs> that was a, a bizarre scene, too. That was, I guess, explained later. But I... Uh... Well, that's what, that's what I meant about them making him seem like he's a jerk because the whole thing is you're led to believe that he wrote to have his granddaughter come visit him and then when she introduces, he's like, I, I don't I don't know who you are. So you're like, so you wrote a letter to come visit you. And now you're like ignoring <laughs> that, which I get why they do it for his perspective. But why are you hiding that from the audience? Yeah, I I don't know. I, I didn't hate that. I, I thought it made for a, a decent reveal later. It it to me made him come off less as a jerk and more of like, I don't know, like unscrupulous, <laughs> like. He, he's he's just this eccentric old weirdo who is like, no, I, I didn't write to your mom. I don't know what you're talking about. Ha 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 ha. And then, uh, yeah, as it's revealed later, then like, no, he actually didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um... I did really enjoy the, like, I don't think they were claymation, but they felt that way. It, it was like CG claymation. Yeah, uh, the, the stylized, the, like, Tinker Soldiers. Yeah, the little interludes that they did during the time skips. I thought those were very neat. Those were cool, especially because they posited it as they were telling this through, like, a pop-up book, but a steampunk mechanical pop-up book. So it was, mm-hmm. it, that it, that was really cool if you could actually decide something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, I really like that style of animation. I would not have hated if the entire movie was like that. Yeah. One one thing I did like is 30 years after the fact is Django is now just a pawn shop owner. <laughs> and they introduce the thirstiest character in a children's movie I have ever seen with Miss Johnston just wanting Django. And Django just 
turning her away at every attempt. She knew what she wanted, and I respect that. The best part was when she was singing his her song, like, these three backup dancers popped up, and <laughs> it's just like, he's like, wait a minute, where did these guys come from? Like, he actually acknowledges <laughs> what's going on. And later in the movie, when he kisses her, they pop up again, and he's like, huh, they really are a group. <laughs> I also had that in my notes. Wait, background dancers? Yeah. So it's- the woman who plays Mrs. Johnston is uh marisha wallace and i actually saw her live she played becky in uh the musical waitress when it was in london when i was there and uh, i actually think i have her autograph upstairs in my office christian was that one of the last do you think you could have been one of the last people she ran into before lockdown (laughs) no this was uh this was 2019 that i saw waitress that would be crazy (laughs) Oh, man. I will say, there are some quotes in this movie I like. Like, Jangle subsists entirely on a diet of, like, boiled eggs he buys from a neighboring (laughs) stall. And when he finally lets his granddaughter stay with him, he's like, you hungry? I have one egg. We can split it. (laughs) I have written down somewhere in here the the, uh, always sunny line where Danny DeVito says, can I offer you an egg in this trying time? Oh, man. So after we get all those introductions, we finally see Keegan-Michael Key, and he's, I was surprised, he's actually a pretty good singer. Yeah, I feel like I've seen him sing before, and I could not remember where or why. I have no idea. I I don't, I mean, he's been in so much random stuff, but I don't recall seeing him sing before. He was, was he in The Lion King? He might have been, I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, well. But I did think it was funny during that number because he's finally introducing the toy he created 30 years ago and it still breaks. Like, he's clearly <laughs> just living off the coattails of Jangle's book. Yeah, the uh, the device that he, he kept trying to get help on and nobody would help him. I it's did, funny. Sorry. I did think it was funny that it lets you think for a second there, like, oh, he did it, and then it just attacks some poor man. <laughs> Yeah, it it remi- well, I and I actually feel like that sets up his character pretty well. Like, it's a little bit subversive because normally, when you get the introduction to the main villain in in musical style things, like they have a big number and they're imposing and stuff, and he starts out imposing and then everything just kind of falls apart, which I think is his character throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, his his song there is like. Like you said, he's a good singer. The song is a, a pretty good song, and it just ends with him screaming in horror because his device has attacked someone. Yeah. <laughs> there's one There's one character in this who, I honestly, he came onto the screen. I was like, who is this kid? Which is apparently Jangle's assistant who lives with his mom but just sneaks into Jangle's house in the middle of the <laughs> night without him knowing it. Yeah, that seemed a little suspect. Yeah, sorry, I guess if we're trying to explain this, Jangle needs to basically come up with a new invention. Uh, or the bank who loaned him money 30 years ago is finally going to collect, which I gotta say, that's pretty generous of the bank to wait 30 years to collect on a loan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, it's like, that's so like... it's just him a bunch of inventing stuff and, and just like his do- granddaughter trying to help re-inspire him to help him save his shop. That's like the life of a mortgage. It's like... <laughs> 
they waited until the day that it was supposed to be paid off, and they were like, wait, this guy hasn't made any payments on Right? Like, he's paid literally, like, no interest. <laughs> it's just... I mean, honestly, it's a it's a it's a pretty good loan if it's interest free for thirty yeah, right? years, <laughs> man. So I don't know. There's just so much random stuff. I actually like this movie more. I think when it doesn't involve the kids, and now we're getting into the part where it's actually like a kids movie mm-hmm. of them. Like magic is a mathematical equations in this world, and it's all very like christmas magic and kid friendly and stuff but also i think it's the sort of the most boring parts of the movie yeah they keep talking about like the second derivative of whimsy and you know like the components of joy and stuff like that yeah and it's like they introduce that robot character an hour in who is peter pan because he also can make people fly (laughs) if they believe hard enough yeah, he, he won't come to life unless everyone in the room believes in him, I guess. And then if you believe strongly enough, everybody can fly. But that's what I don't get is... I I felt like it was just Jangle needed to believe in him because the bank owner at the end who sees him has no reason to believe in him. That's true. But also it doesn't work with uh, Keegan-Michael Key, though. So I, I honestly I don't know what those powers were. I feel like... He represented, like, the mental block of Jangle believing mm-hmm. to some extent. Yeah. I was... Yeah, the whole the whole thing with the robot thing was very weird. Because that was another one where it was like, is it alive? Or is <laughs> right. it just a clockwork robot? Because it definitely... He, he never gave it the, the come-to-life juice that he gave to Ricky Martin. And it definitely didn't have, like, the personality and articulation that Ricky Martin's character did. It just kind of waddled from place to place it was like a combination of wally and uh the robot from hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and i want to actually throw in their bumblebee from transformers because yes. he seemed to talk through a radio or something i almost wrote that down because when he first comes to life all he's doing is mimicking the people that he's hearing and so i was like my, my first thought was bumblebee and then i went straight to like kenku from D who can only repeat sounds that they've heard yeah, it's it's a weird character, and honestly, it just it felt like it was included just for kids movie purposes. Yeah, and and for marketing, right? Like that's that's what it it felt like. Um, and again, that, it was kind of a non entity. Like it had very little. Uh, like it it was a MacGuffin in in certain places, but it was never really a fully fleshed out character. It saved the kids that one time by using his hands as brakes, but. Otherwise, it just kind of exists. Yeah, the only other like narrative use for it was it was his daughter's creation, so that right, was like yeah. a tie to her. But it like that creation did not necessarily need to be a character that sometimes spoke. <laughs> yeah, it could have just been like a good invention. It did not have to be alive. Right. It that, so that was it was a weird one, and I'll. <laughs> I don't actually think that then him creating like a robot is the most interesting thing. He created a robot that allows other people to fly. That's like the crazy <laughs> part in this. And everyone gets like focused on there being a robot. I mean, people are flying around the workshop like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just jangles. Oh, the the end scene when the robot and the little girl now is a grandmother and her two kids go to fly they just stole that from peter pan because she's basically like you gotta believe and then they just fly <laughs> off into the night sky 
Are you telling me that these kids have lived in this house for as long as they have and they never noticed the enormous toy factory that their great-grandfather runs next the door? To- the toy factory with a giant, like, <laughs> J on it? An enormous J. <laughs> G or whatever, whatever and they're like, we starts with. Yeah, they're like, we've never heard of, of Geronicus Jangles. And you're like, you live next door to his factory. It's enormous. He's obviously incredibly famous. Like, you are living in a mansion. Have you <laughs> never wondered where your family gets this money? What's your last name? <laughs> well, These to, be, are to his, be fair, their last his name line. changed. Fair, okay, changed. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. But still, like, this actually turns out (laughs) Jingle Jangle 2, they had been, like, disowned at one point. (laughs) They have to fight back. Yeah, he's just letting us back into the family now. Uh, So, Keegan-Michael Key steals the robot whose name I cannot remember. Um, Uh, Buddy. Buddy, Buddy, that's right. Which also was another humorous scene when he like unveils it and it doesn't work and he's just completely <laughs> embarrassed in front of all these inventors. Uh, but the kids steal it back. They use some math magic to get through a fan that randomly turned on and also an insane explosion that should not have been as big crazy. as it was. <laughs> oh, actually, I, I honestly after that part, I was like, okay, this movie's over. And then I paused and looked, and there's like 35 minutes. Yeah, left. I could not believe. Honestly, the math magic stuff didn't bother me that much, I think, because I watched like four seasons of The Magicians, and there's a whole bunch of that in that show. Like, they, they don't really go into it a whole lot, but they're constantly being shown being like, oh, yeah, to do this, we have to do these super intense, like, finger gestures, but also there's a whole bunch of math behind it. I, I, I maybe I came off harsh on this. I actually don't mind the math magic. I just was like, it feels very kid. Yeah. Like kid, like, I don't know, child, child inspired because of the way they are like, oh, it's the, I don't know, the curve of whimsy and you need disbelief, <laughs> you know, like the naming for it and stuff. I don't actually hate it. It's just like one of those things where it's like, this is definitely for like aimed at kids. <laughs> maybe if you pay attention in class, you too will be able to use snowballs like boomerangs. <laughs> they're bouncing sn- <laughs> they're bouncing snowballs aggressively off buildings like the buildings were made of trampolines yeah, all, all of the snowballs were made out of Captain America's shield I mean if you use math I bet you could figure out if there actually was enough <laughs> snow on the ground to tell if all those people throwing snowballs actually could have thrown them because there seemed like that, like a dusting on the ground and there was a full on snowball fight <laughs> I did really like that scene it was like it's nice. It was like you know, Jangles getting some of his groove back. He's getting <laughs> along with his kid. Like it was a good scene. It's just one of those things where it's just like, man, I I actually like when they did the like had the magic pop up in front of them. They have the kids like figuring out. It's one of those things where it's like, oh look, the power of math. Like it's pushing intelligence as sort of yeah. a power, which which I think is cool, but. <laughs> Them being like, you need to lean back five degrees to make it through this fan <laughs> is a little ridiculous. Very precise. <laughs> there, there's like a million other parallel universes where it just ends up them being sliced <laughs> in half. Maybe that'll be Jingle Jangle too. We'll get to we'll get to see that world. That actually happens in Jingle Jangle <laughs> Unchained. <laughs> 
that's where all the stuff that's like, ooh, this that was a close one. Like everything bad that could happen happens. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I will say, I think my favorite song in this one was when his daughter was coming back. I, I really enjoyed that song. I agree. That's the problem. My, my that was, I guess, my big problem with the music in this one, and maybe you, you, because you listen to musicals and stuff more than I do. Nothing in this really stood out to me as I'm like I'm going to go listen to this later, except maybe that one. Yeah, I didn't hate the one that Mrs. Johnston sings when she's introduced uh, with the backup dancers, but I I do agree that the only one that really stuck out was the the one with the reconciliation with the daughter. Yeah, I think like the set numbers, like the dances and stuff, generally overshadowed mm-hmm. the songs Definitely to a certain agree extent. With like. That. Yeah, there, there were no earworms like mo like something from Moana or something, you know. Like. No. Although I I was not completely surprised to see that John Legend had produced this. It definitely sounded like a John Legend kind of vibe. That's good to know. I did not know he uh, he was involved in it. We're we're pretty much at the end. I mean the <laughs> the bad guys come up and comes where he tries to have Jangle arrested and then he gets the tables turned on him by a child. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, this is a kid's movie. It ends basically how you think it will. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a happy ending. I did like, though, that uh, Django got to tell him, like, hey, I came back for you, and you were you had already stolen my stuff and left, and so then he just got to feel bad about himself. And Django kept a present for 30 years. <laughs> In a desk. Well, that's what, the, that's what happens is, like, at the end is, it seems like they retcon everything bad that Django kind of had fault for and they're like no no he was a good guy and it's one of those things where it was like maybe they wanted you to dislike him throughout it but then i'm like well i feel kind of bad now because jangle actually wasn't a jerk <laughs> christian you mentioned you picked this because you had heard about it uh through some of your channels do you know how this has fared with critics it's done really really well it's got a 90 percent on rotten tomatoes for the critics it's got a 77 percent for audience I don't know. I'd probably put it down closer to 77. It was good. It was uh, it was as good as I could have hoped, but it wasn't. I don't think it lived up to the hype that I'd seen about it online. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you um, because I saw this as like a 90% as I was starting to, to turn it on. It's a good kids movie. It's like a good new Christmas movie. I don't think it's going into my Christmas rotation, though. Right. Agreed. Would you suggest our audience check it out? Yeah, probably, especially if you're a fan of, like, just kind of feel-good Christmas movies in general, and, and if you're a fan of, like, kind of Disney feel, then you will enjoy this for sure. Yeah, I'm with you on the same. I'd say if you like kind of Christmas movies aimed at younger audiences, this is a good one to check out. So, also this week, we had the privilege of watching the, I don't know, Lifetime is calling it a mini-movie, so I guess that's what I'll go with, the the Lifetime original mini-movie, Recipe for Seduction, which is a 16-minute short film starring Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders, the KFC mascot. No, no, honey, Colonel Sanders is a real man. Well, yeah, right, right, but. (laughs) Turns out, though, he was Hispanic. (laughs) This is so funny to me. 
I I actually kind of unironically love this movie. <laughs> I've watched it now, I think, three times. I, I think it's a really good deconstruction of, like, the Lifetime original movie genre. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I have a, I had a hard time taking notes on this because I don't know if the <laughs> acting in this is intentionally bad or if it's just bad. See, which... I I don't know about the acting. I I do think that they knew exactly what they were making. So I don't know like how much the actors really phoned it in knowing that they were making a joke. But I well, I, I do I, I wouldn't even say they phoned it in. It's just like one of those things where like it feels like people who are trying too hard yeah i just i i appreciate that this was actually a lifetime original movie and that they're like self-aware enough that they can poke fun at themselves like yeah oh, we know yeah. we know what we make i definitely like if you had not have been like oh yeah this is a lifetime movie and stuff like going into this i would have been like oh this is like an internet spoof that for some re- <laughs> some reason mario lopez is in. <laughs> This came up on my Twitter, I, I guess, the day that it was announced, and I was all in immediately. I was like, I cannot believe this is real. I will not believe this is real until I've watched it. And then it, it came out just a couple of days ago. It came out on uh, Sunday the 13th, and I, I sat down that night. I watched it. I, I was flabbergasted. So you said this deconstructed. What are some of like the because I don't watch Hallmark or Lifetime movies or whatever this was. <laughs> what like what is it deconstructing in those movies? I mean, I I don't watch many of them, but I've seen a few in in my day, and it has all the components of like a Lifetime original. It's it's got you know the scheming villainous uh, mother slash mother-in-law it's got the like scumbag fiance it's got the the woman who wants to escape her crappy relationship and run away with mr perfect uh there you know there's financial trouble so that like she feels trapped there's infidelity there's all this like real shoddy lying going back and forth like oh he skipped town didn't he tell you and then it's like well we can prove that wrong with a phone call but you know we're gonna lie about it anyway. Potential it's, deaths. Yeah, it's just all. It's very melodramatic. It's just all the the hallmarks of this kind of overacted soap opera y original movie. And and I, but they cram it all into sixteen minutes, which means there's no room for the movie to build those themes. All it can do is like dump them on you and move on. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's I mean the first the first scene were were the colonel who they keep calling Harland like they don't want to acknowledge <laughs> like like they are but they're not as ham-fisted about it in that way comes on and I'm dying and they keep bringing up his secret spice blend like it's this game-changing like technology it's uh, it's that stuff's like there's just little things in this that were hilarious like one scene like in the opening scene, Billy the fiance like clinks his glass when no one's talking for everyone to <laughs> shut up. Like there's a scene where he comes down when he catches his fiance and the colonel walking together, and his sweater is tied in the weirdest <laughs> way. And he's so like angry immediately, right? Although that there are a lot of really funny lines in this movie, and and one a, a bunch of them honestly are in that scene where uh, the fiancé Jessica storms away and 
the the villain Billy looks at Colonel Sanders and calls him Crouton, and he <laughs> goes, "Don't call me Crouton." <laughs> I also like that, like. <laughs> Mario Lopez is not the age that they're having, like, because they're, like, positing a silver fox Colonel Sanders. Right. But, like, like you're saying, like, the haircut they have is everything based on, like, the marketing (laughs) image they have, not of the actual guy. They, yeah, they straight up just gave Mario Lopez Colonel Sanders hair and facial hair. Just dyed it it silver and said, yeah, this this works. Go, Go. Do you think Colonel Sanders paid for marketing in this or were they paid to have them talk about it? Because I guess they never specifically say Colonel Sanders. They just like dance around it. Yeah. I know KFC was involved in this, like in the production of this movie. Um, Let me see. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Wikipedia says it was an original lifetime mini movie sponsored by KFC. So they they funded it. <laughs> Do you think they brought it to KFC? <laughs> KFC brought it to them, man. Because so one of them had to go to the other and be like, "Look, let's make a movie about a sexy Colonel Sanders." <laughs> so it doesn't go into detail, but I can't get over the Wikipedia article says the film was conceptualized in 2018. So they they've been workshopping this for at least two years. I mean, and it's such a short movie, and they film in two to three locations tops. Like, I cannot imagine it took that long to actually film. Yeah, no, I I can't either. Hair and makeup probably covered most of the time. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) this is a movie I just uh, short film or whatever. I can't believe (laughs) this. I love and it's one of those things where like you can't even point out narrative consistencies because that's the point of it. But this whole thing is like the mom doesn't want her daughter to marry the colonel. So because they need money, but the one guy just writes a five hundred thousand dollar check for the colonel to go away, like <laughs> that could solve some problems. The mom who was having an affair with the guy who has the money could just marry that guy for his money. Yeah. I saw that in your notes and I was like, Man, I can't believe I didn't think about that. The whole yeah, the whole thing is their family is broke and the mom needs Jessica to marry Billy, who sucks, for his money. But they're they're sleeping together. Like just you've already said that the dad is dead and left you in debt. Just marry Billy yourself. And the mom's not that much older than her daughter. <laughs> no. And then also, this <laughs> Go ahead. So they also Literally, the easiest answer is they could just downsize their lifestyle. Like, they're living in a mansion and they're they're poor. Or, you know, they're in debt, so they hired a chef. He's living in the guest house. Right. I, I This movie escalated so quickly. And, and I, again, it's super short, so everything happened quickly. But all of a sudden, it was, you know, the the best friend sees Billy and the mom... Like in cahoots with each other, and then immediately goes and is like, "I saw you too." Like the dumbest trope: never confess that you're about to out somebody to them. Like that's crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if I saw it. someone commit a crime, I would not like drive to their house and be like, "I saw you commit that crime." I'm telling the police. But I mean, she didn't really commit a crime at that point. But also, he saw like her touching his arm. He didn't like see them making out or anything. <laughs> they were all over each other. I know what I saw. 
I will say you have a quote in there that I missed about why he was there that I was dying when I read that. <laughs> Which one? Oh, I'm, about I'm, the I'm... farmer's market? <laughs> yeah, so again, this movie's got quotes that I love, uh, but it, uh, the best friend calls Jessica and says, I'm, I'm going to go meet that guy I met at the farmer's market. <laughs> that felt like a scene out of the room to me because there's there's a scene in the room where somebody calls Mark and he picks up the phone and says, what do you want? I'm very busy. Like doesn't give them a, a chance to talk or anything. And that's what happens here. Lee picks up the phone and says, what's up? I'm about to go on that date with the guy I met at the farmer's market. <laughs> and she's like, okay. I do like, I mean, and you're saying like, these are tropes and it's like, everyone just ends up at the same place at the end. That was also oh amazing. And that's, I thought Lee was dead because after he tells the mom that he's going to, you know, tell Jessica everything, she hits him with like a, I don't know what it is, like a croquet cue or something. I thought it was like a fire poker, but I have no idea. It, it had a little hammer at the end of it. I thought it was a golf club the first time I watched it, but I thought he was dead. I was like, oh shit, they killed Lee. <laughs> oh, oh my God, they killed Lee. And then she runs back into the room when they've got Colonel Sanders all tied up. She runs back into the room and she goes, Lee escaped. Right. I, I mean, that ending seems great. Up. And then Lee, like, just appears behind. Appears in the basement and then knocks out Billy. And then, yeah, Jessica pushes her mom into a shelf. This movie does end, like, abruptly for, like, 60 yes. minutes. It's like everything happens and then there's just a wedding and then a weird <laughs> final scene that i i was i had to double take because i wasn't sure what was happening the final scenes are hysterical like lee is the officiant at their wedding and then it, it skips over to like i don't know what it is like a home of some kind and the mom is is like i don't know institutionalized <laughs> Right, but Billy, who was going to kill the colonel, is her visitor, so he wasn't arrested, but she was. Apparently. Maybe she just had a breakdown and and nobody was arrested. They didn't press any charges. (laughs) Billy just like, all right, I'll give you a lot of money. The best revenge is a chicken (laughs) well-cooked. Oh my gosh. Well, in in that scene, it says, uh, Billy says, oh, I found them. And then he picks up a piece of, like, extra crispy KFC and starts eating it. So the Seven Spices did change the world, like the Colonel wanted. I guess. He, at one point, says out loud to an empty room, the secret's out, Chicken Man, which is genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever heard in a movie. Oh, man. This this movie's crazy. (laughs) It's weird because, like, we have nothing to gauge this against because, you know, it wasn't theatrically theatrically released and there's no Rotten Tomatoes for it. Would you recommend this? Yes, absolutely, 100%. If, If this movie were longer than 15 or 16 minutes, probably not. It would, it would outstay its welcome pretty quickly, I think. But for as short as it is... I mean, yeah, you have literally nothing to lose. Yeah, I'm with you. This is basically a YouTube video. It makes it an easy recommend because if you're not enjoying it within probably the first two minutes, you can just turn <laughs> off. Like, 
at the very least, I guess, give until Mario Lopez appears, which is probably mm. the three or four minute mark, yeah. <laughs> then turn it off. But otherwise, yeah, this is so short. It's it's worth a watch. Yeah, that that is we, we should say it is definitely 100 percent available on YouTube for free. Uh, without any like numerical reviews to go, uh, I, I will read two, two reviews from, uh, one from deadline that all it said is the film had quote, an unusual casting, even for otter titles. And the Los Angeles times said a tongue in cheek take on a lifetime romance movie aimed at women who love men who love chicken. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Which amazing. is just a great review <laughs> yeah it's fun it's funny like it is legitimately funny and how weird it is yeah it's just it's so bizarre that it even exists it, it, like i said if it was longer than 15 minutes probably not but ab- absolutely waste 15 minutes on this movie like before i said this felt like a spoof honestly like this feels like a skit that could have been in like key and Peele or something you know like just right something exactly really, really weird <laughs> Okay, and finally, we have some new news in the movie and streaming front. Christian, what uh, what's going on with the Warner Brothers HBO Max deal? So, yeah, a, a few weeks ago, we didn't really have time to cover it. We didn't really have time to cover it last uh, episode, but a few weeks ago, Warner Brothers announced that all of their titles for 2021 would be releasing simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max, which is a huge blow to the the theater industry like that hurts yeah i mean so we had briefly talked about this off air um that's the the big one is wonder woman which they've been pushing back is going to be in this correct yes that's kind of the the first one and then do you know uh, you don't have to name them all but do you know a couple other ones that are going to be involved in that uh matrix 4 is is involved in that dune is involved in that um Suicide believe, Squad 2 or whatever? Yes, uh, Suicide Squad, the the whatever it is, half reboot. And um, I believe In the Heights, the uh, the movie adaptation of the musical. So, like, these are some big, like, big properties that they're planning on putting out in 2021 that they're saying, you know, we're putting it to HBO just because we're not 100% sure what's going to be happening. <laughs> I'm curious, cause, you know, because you work in a movie theater. Um, does this make you nervous about the future of movie theaters? I keep going back and forth on this. I'm I'm not really sure. I think there's a big culture around movie theaters that's going to be hard to break even with this. I think once things are 100% safe, we're going to make a, a pretty strong comeback. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really just not not sure. It's it's hard to beat the comfort of your own home. Yeah, I I tend to hope that it comes back because I am antsy to go back and watch a movie in a movie theater. Like, it's a different experience. Because mm-hmm. um, even if we watch a movie for this podcast, like, when I watch it at home, I sit here and take notes. And it's kind of distracting to take notes while you're watching something. Whereas if I watch it at a theater, I watch it entirely and then just, it's more recollection. It's just, I think, more enjoyable at a theater, especially for certain types of movies like action movies. Oh, agreed. Like the the MCU, Star Wars, uh, Wonder Woman, like these are movies that are built to be watched in a, in a theater. Like 
the biggest screen you can find, the best sound system you can find. Like that's how these movies are meant to be watched. So I, I think that's going to be hard to uh, kind of put a wedge in, even if you are going to be an out, uh, or uh, even if you are going to be releasing them simultaneously on on streaming platforms. Yeah, I know. You know, I I don't think that my thoughts on it are. I don't think the movie industry or the movie theater industry itself will die. I do think some theaters are just going to close. It just seems like a sad reality. Um, and my guess is that markets that are maybe smaller are probably the ones who are going to be hit hardest. Um, like mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess is yours the only movie theater in your, your area. Yeah. We don't have another theater for about an hour in any direction. Oh man. I did not realize that. Um, it's unfortunate too because didn't you guys just go like undergo renovations? Yeah, <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, I mean, who, who would have known? It, it's been about a year, I think, since we we remodeled, maybe a year and a half. But uh, all we did was put in like new counters and and a fresh coat of paint. I can't imagine if he'd have gone through with like building a uh, like an IMAX room like he'd been talking about. My theater did not do the IMAX room, but it like because we have two and i have to imagine one of them will survive but the one closer to my house that i go to more um it had just undergone renovations for four of the rooms to create those like really nice lean back seats like you get at those movie theaters where they are part restaurants yeah and like one of the last movies i think i saw was birds of prey so that was like february sometime (laughs) they had just reopened them like a week or two before that so i i hope they're doing okay because i can't imagine that's cheap yeah, that hurts. That's we put a bunch of recliners in as well, and uh, yeah, I mean we're trying, <laughs> but we we just had to close again this this week, and before that we were down to ten percent capacity, so we were selling out rooms with four tickets sold. Jeez, it's yeah, um, it's it's been rough, but I I do think once things reopen, we'll be okay. We just have to get through this. Yeah, well, I don't want to get onto pandemic speculations, but um. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Christian, also, Disney Investors Day recently happened. Uh, what did you hear about that? Well, they uh, what what I read about it was basically just on the individual Twitter feeds. Uh, they were kind of just updating their Twitter threads with every announcement. So it was, oh, th- this has come out, and then there would be a picture on Twitter of, you know, the movie title or whatever it was. And it's just this enormous dump of stuff on Disney Investors Day. It's, you know, it's like E3 for just Disney properties. So... We got all of the MCU stuff that's supposed to be coming out this year. We got all the Star Wars announcements, all the classic Disney announcements, all the Pixar announcements, all in like the matter of like three hours, <laughs> uh, like a week ago. And it was chaos. <laughs> the MCU and Star Wars between the two of them announced about a billion new projects. Which is crazy. I guess I get why you do it for a, an investor meeting but it's crazy some of the stuff they got because number one disney plus has released so far just the mandalorian right like they haven't really done too much of their own programming otherwise right well i I mean they've done a few Um, more disney oriented things like they they have that uh high school the musical the musical the series or whatever it is they they have a couple other like reality show kind of things going on, but Mandalorian is for sure the biggest thing that they've released. And for like their 
biggest properties being Star Wars and probably Marvel. That's like the only show that, you know, we'd previously talked about before, like WandaVision and Loki and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and stuff. That's the only one that's come out so far, I think. Correct, yeah. Um, Did they announce anything for the MCU stuff? So much. Uh, I'm trying to get these slides to to load, but um, what I have in my notes here, at least, is they announced a She-Hulk TV show that is going to have Mark Ruffalo and Tim Roth uh, come back. So that's interesting to me that they're they're bringing in uh, characters from that Incredible Hulk that people try to pretend didn't happen yeah in your notes this is the thing that surprised me most because i liked tim roth i think you know i had mentioned that before like when we watched (laughs) the incredible hulk he's like one of the standout people to me i am really surprised they're bringing him back especially because abomination is basically just the hulk and she hulk is also some variation of the hulk Hulk. right (laughs) um so that's that's interesting to see that they're they're going to retcon um I don't even who played the original Hulk. I can't even remember. Oh God, Ed Norton, the guy from Fight Club. Ed Norton, yeah, he played him. So they're just more or less recounting him out. Yeah. Um, he. I mean, that's not uncalled. They did that for um, Rhodes or Rhodey or whatever the Iron Patriot in the second Iron Man. Who? uh, Which brings me to my next point. He is also getting his own TV show. Is he Um, really? Yeah, War Machine is getting a TV show called Armor Wars. That's crazy. I did, I, is it starring Don Cheadle? I believe so, yeah. Awesome. Um, a, a lot of this is just, like, all we have is the, like, the titles. Um, there's a new Ant-Man coming out called Quantumania. Uh, so Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer are all coming back. And uh, Catherine Newton is joining the cast, who is in... Uh, Blockers and Big Little Lies and uh, a few other things. Uh, they announced that Christian Bale is joining the cast of Thor 4. Uh, I Am Groot is a like mini-series coming out. Uh, obviously, just for kids, it, it focuses on Baby Groot. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is getting a Christmas special. Uh, Ironheart is getting her own TV show, Riri Williams. Sam Jackson is finally getting his own movie for a secret invasion. And uh, Ben Mendelsohn will come back as Talos uh, from Captain Marvel for that. That was, I think, what was teased at the end of uh, Spider-Man. With uh, Nick Fury being in space. Moon Knight is getting his own series. So, yeah, they just they dumped so much all at once. There's now a trailer like out for it. There's now trailers out for Loki and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know what's crazy to me is to look back 10 years ago where the MCU actually was, and and not even, like, less than 10 years ago, 2010, Iron Man 2 had come out, and then <laughs> in 2011, Captain the first Captain America and the first Thor came out, and then there was just a deluge of movies for 10 years I'm curious if the 2020s, it's going to be more TV shows than movies. I could definitely see that because not much of this is movies. And the ones that they announced, they'd already pretty much announced. Like they they uh, talked about Captain Marvel 2, which we already kind of knew was happening. They talked about Black Panther 2, which we definitely already knew was happening. They talked about um, 
uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which was announced last year at, at Comic-Con, I believe. So a, a lot of the movies that they had talked about were not new. It was really just uh, Secret Invasion and the new Ant-Man that were like fully announced the other day. Although there was <laughs> there was one new thing that was announced movie-wise, which is they're doing Fantastic Four again. I mean, the Fantastic Four in the 2020s have had, what, three movies? <laughs> yep. Not 2020s, the 2000s. Yeah, we had two uh, like originals, and then we had the reboot, which was somehow worse. So, I mean, yeah, maybe, I... maybe third time's the charm, <laughs> four time's the charm, however you want to look at it. What's right? What's interesting to them is they... Like, the Fantastic Four, I don't know. I've never been into him, but Doctor Doom is a cool villain. Mm-hmm. So I would like him to actually be incorporated into the MCU. Yeah, that would be very cool. I just, uh, I'm, I'm worried that people are so tired of this property failing over and over again. Right. Well, and another thing that's... Well, two points I want to say on this... Oh, man, I've lost the first one. <laughs> Talking about Fantastic Four. I don't know where I was going with the first one, but one thing <laughs> that I, I do wonder is, like, I think, to like, I like Marvel, but even I was getting a certain superhero movie fatigue after mm-hmm. Endgame. Agreed. I am curious if you start doing all these TV shows, like, are you going to split your fan base? Because it's a lot more of an investment to watch a series and you can't just, it sounds like you can't just go into the movies anymore or you're going to be lost. That's what I'm concerned about. Cause I know they, that Kevin uh, Feige had said previously that like to understand the new Doctor Strange multiverse movie, you were going to have to have watched like this, this, and this TV show, which just bugged the heck out of me. It's actually like, it's honestly becoming more like the comic book series where like, if they're having crossover events, you have to read not only the crossover issues, but the standalone issues of those that go into it, like, which is always kind of a pain. Yeah. Right. Or, or you just have to accept that I'm not going to understand a part of this. Right. Oh, the other the, I do remember the other thing I wanted to say was the one thing I noticed, which was um, I think glaringly absent is uh, nothing about any X Men. Correct. Yeah, they Fantastic Four is as close as they got, and nothing about a new Deadpool either. Right. So I'm I'm also really curious to see what they do with them. I mean, I really like the X Men, even their current comic incarnations. Like they're just, I think they're now now back being into like the just insane storylines like <laughs> this so my biggest worry with the mcu one if they i i'm not going to be mad if they don't introduce the x-men because i like the x-men but the x-men generally did not seem to gel with the rest of the marvel universe because there were like they ended up having to kill off most of them in an event in the 2000s because there are just too many mutants right yeah like it just there's too many superheroes and in like the comics it's like they all hang out in new york (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of too many superheroes in new york uh the new spider-man is apparently going to be jam-packed with people really yeah so we're getting tom holland back uh, obviously 
um, Zendaya is coming back, uh, but also we're getting Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield as their respective Spider-Men. They're doing like a Spider-Verse thing. Apparently. We're also getting uh, Alfred Molina coming back as Doc Ock from the original Spider-Man 2, and we're getting Jamie Foxx coming back uh, as Electro from Amazing Spider-Man 2. See, that's kind of crazy to me that they go in this direction because uh, before um, Far From Home, is that was the most recent Spider-Man, right? Yeah. I thought that's the direction they were going with with multiverses when they had Mysterio and, and all the previews, right. they kind of made it seem like. And then they were like, nope, that was, um, <laughs> you know, we pulled the wool over your eyes. And I was like, okay, they're not going in that direction. But now they're like, oh, no, we were. Yeah, so I think this is going to be like, I, I don't know which one's going to come first, but I think this is going to be very related to the new Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, because Doctor Strange is also going to be in the new Spider-Man. Boy, okay. Yeah, I mean, these are just crossover movies now. Yeah, it, it feels like they're going to try and turn Spider-Man into the new tentpole, where it, like now that the Avengers are kind of over, Spider-Man might be like the, the one that holds up the, the universe. And I would, yeah, I mean, we'll see how they do it because I think I, my biggest gripe to you about the last movie was I was like, they're going in that direction. And then they had J. Jonah Jameson positing this Spider-Man's like the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see. It's going to have to be done carefully, but I am excited for a, a potential Spider-Verse movie. That's another, and I will say, uh, sorry. we, we got nothing about that in this, in this drop. They did not yeah. mention Spider-Man one time. So. I, yeah, I'm not sure where they stand on any of that stuff currently. Be willing to give um, Kevin Feige the benefit of the doubt just because he's... I know some people think like it's formulaic and stuff, but for the most part, like everything he's done has worked. Right. So I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt. I am just real curious to see how they do it. The thing that I found the strangest in, in this announcement was the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Yeah, I saw that in your notes. I I I've not looked into this at all. Is it a? I can't. It can't be a cartoon, right? I don't believe so. All all it says is Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. James Gunn is back to write and direct original special coming to Disney Plus twenty twenty two. I mean, you never have issues when beloved franchises do holiday specials, <laughs> right? Yeah, especially not uh, franchises in this property. Right, so we'll see. This <laughs> about that one. Yeah, Star Wars also announced a whole bunch of stuff that I'm I'm not going to get nearly as into because I don't live in that universe as much as some other people that I know. Um, the the biggest one was they officially announced an Obi Wan Kenobi TV show with Ewan McGregor and uh, Hayden Christensen is coming back as Darth Vader. Big pool. I I saw the internet on uh, pre- prequel memes was all about that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, they also announced a standalone Ahsoka show uh, starring Rosario Dawson after she was just in Mandalorian. And then there's, oh God, there's so many others. You know, The Bad Batch, which I don't really know anything about. Rangers. I think that's a clone trooper group, but I'm not positive. Okay. Uh, Rangers of the New Republic. Um, Andor, which looks like it has uh, the Rogue One people in. And then uh, something called Visions. Lando Calrissian is getting his own TV show. Uh, I don't know who is going to be in it. I don't know if it's going to be Donald Glover from Solo or not. But yeah, th- this is all 
just again stuff that i i'm sure people more versed in star wars lore got a lot of meaning out of these <laughs> these announcements and i just i was like this is a lot to keep track of all at once we'll see how they do man like mandalorian's good like i had my doubts but also they're using a cool character we'll see how they do it with other things i i mean i've often said on this podcast i think the best things in star wars has been all this side stuff that isn't the movies <laughs> Uh, but just some of the properties they're announcing me gives me vibes of like the nineties extended universe books they were creating or just the most, like some random guy from a cantina got a book, <laughs> you know, like it just, it seems crazy to me that there so much of this coming out. I am excited about the Obi-Wan and, um, Aiden Christensen coming back. I think the Ahsoka's announcement is very cool. Um, I'm trying to work my way through Clone Wars because everyone's like, oh, seasons like four, five, and six are great. And I, seasons, season one is very much a kid's cartoon. And then season two is, you kind of see them transitioning, but it's also slow. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I would, I would definitely like to work my way through Clone Wars, especially after watching the, the Mando episode with her in it. But, uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> There's yeah. only so much time in the day. Alright guys, thanks for tuning in to our episode. If you would like to contact us, we are at Gambots Network on Twitter or we are gambots.blog at gmail.com. We also have a website now, it's gambotsnetwork.com, and if you're listening somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, uh, we would appreciate it as that does help with marketing. Thank you for listening, guys. Thank you.